Amen. Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And uh, you know what I'm thankful for? This man right here, Pastor Raja. Thankful for him. Um, it's just uh, such a, a joy to be able to be working here as the uh, lead pastor for Downtown Community Church, but also to be working with you at Uptown Community Church as well. And I have to say, um, if you didn't get the chance to hear Pastor Raj's message, Danger, Love Ahead, um, that's been for the last several weeks, um, when it's online, I just encourage you, maybe even Thanksgiving Monday or sometime when it's up, you notice that, to go online, uccwaterloo.ca, you'll see that message there and listen to that fantastic message fantastic series and so I can't recommend that enough I think that uh, what God was speaking to him and through him then is a, is a great setup and a great basis point for I think what God is doing in this community and so um, just want to say that thankful for him and for the heart and the way that God is moving through our community thank you so much to the team that led this morning um, that last song our heart is yours, God. Our, our will is yours, God. Like, that is such an incredibly powerful statement. I'm, and as Raja mentioned, and Dave as well, um, throughout that um, worship experience that we were having together as community this morning, that, that God is here in this place. Amen? Amen. He's here. And we're offering, offering our hearts and our lives to him, and it's just such a wonderful thing. And so I want to talk and expand on that point a little bit, because it is Thanksgiving Sunday. And uh, the title of my sermon, which will be today, and then next week as well, we're going to be kind of talking about thankfulness in community. But today we're going to be focusing on uh, Eucharisteo, um, which you would know the word Eucharist, uh, the Lord's Supper, and we're going to unpack that word because really what we're doing this morning is putting thankfulness on the table. We're building a culture of what it means to be thankful for what we have and the opportunities that we have. But I think, uh, unfortunately, in our culture, and it was already mentioned this morning quite well, quite beautifully, that our culture has kind of adopted some... Uh, like this thankiness idea, this this kind of like, we don't really know what we're thankful for or who we're supposed to direct our thankfulness to. It's just this kind of awareness that, hey, we've got a lot of stuff. We like it. But where does it go? Um, Stephen Colbert uh, coined the word truthiness, and I don't know if you're familiar with that word. And so I just used that plate on that for thankiness. Um, and I just thought it just really encapsulated for us, even as a church, some of the challenges that we face in building a culture of thankfulness, not only in our world, but within our churches as well. The point of my sermon is not to leave us feeling this sense of heaviness or this sense of weight and guilt, because we have so many things to be thankful for, and we celebrate those things, I think, on an ongoing basis. I think we try as hard as we can to, to be thankful with our hearts and with our lives. But do we really fully understand what it means to build a culture of thankfulness within our communities, within our lives? But there are some markers of thankiness, and I want to compare thankiness with thankfulness so that we have a better idea of what it is that we need to be working towards on this journey. And there are three things that I'm going to talk about in this kind of culture of thankiness that we've Created, And the first thing is this, that we tend to overcomplicate simplicity. Stuff. Who likes buying 
cars, going to a car dealer and buying a car. Who loves that experience? Anybody? I've got one in the back. Thank you. I see that hand. See that hand? I mean, you don't do it often, right? Obviously, it's not a hobby that you're doing all the time. I mean, if you are, good for you. Um, but it's an experience that, you know, you might not really know what you're getting into when you're walking in. And we, when we bought, we have a beautifully hot red Dodge Grand Caravan. It is stunning, and you'd see it parked out front usually. Um, and it's, I know that when people walk by, they're like, oh my goodness, that's a sweet car. Um, that's really awesome. What did, like, I wonder how much you paid for that thing. It must be through the roof. Um, and it, we love it. It is the best car ever. But I remember that experience in purchasing said Grand Caravan. And walking into the dealer, because I know nothing about cars. I know nothing about the, the, how cars work. Like you put gas in the thing and the thing turns the thing and the thing starts and the thing goes, right? That's my understanding of car ownership. And that was my understanding going into purchasing a car. And so you have this kind of weird kind of relationship with the dealer as you're talking, the salesperson, and you're talking back and forth about this. And you really, this excitement starts growing within you over things that you have no idea what they are. It's like the one thing that I was thinking about was the one question as he was selling all of this stuff. And I was like, oh, thank you. You know, thank you for providing all of these wonderful things as additions. Thank you for putting a stereo in my car. That's wonderful. But the one question that got me was, um, would you like nitrogen in your tires? And I was like, what? Why would, would I, would, why would I put nitrogen in my tires? And at the end of that experience, that car buying experience, I was driving away with nitrogen in my tires. And I was thankful for it, even though in my mind, I was thinking I was driving the Hindenburg. I, I, like, I honestly felt like, I, am, I don't know why I'm thankful for this. My, cars are, like, my tires are going to explode. And like in the ball of, now the Hindenburg, it was hydrogen, not nitrogen. I just want to put that out there. I I searched it up because I was like so naive about the whole thing. I was like, I'm like, I got to go home and check out what am I actually driving in my tires? What am I thankful for? But that really is the perception of, of what we have and what we own. We actually don't know what it is we're actually thankful for. We don't know what we're getting ourselves into, but we convince ourselves that we have reasons to be thankful for our stuff. We convince ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with stuff. We all have it. And we need it. We need things. We need clothes. We need food. We need stuff in our lives. And and the problem comes when we base our thankfulness completely and wholly on the stuff that we have. Because stuff is finite. It doesn't give anything. It doesn't repay anything. It's a transaction that you give. You pay for your stuff. And so when we walk away feeling like, yeah, I've got stuff and I'm so thankful, it was a transaction that happened, not a reason for thanks. You gave money and you got something. And yet we we get consumed with our stuff and we list our stuff. But really what we should be saying is I am happy with my stuff, not I am thankful with my stuff. That is the truth. We should be happy with the stuff that we have, but not thankful for it. Imagine me, you know, driving off and thinking of that van again. And if I was really saying I'm thankful for my van and just listing everything that is that I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for the muffler. I'm thankful for the tires. I'm thankful for the rubber that's on the tires. I'm thankful for... And we would go on and on in the wiring and everything else. And we'd go and go and eventually our brains would explode because we can't contain... The stuff. But we know with relationship with God that he's not interested in the stuff of our lives because we can't take it with us when we go. 
that he's interested in you and in a relationship with us. Interested in knowing you. That he is happy that he created you. And that he wants to know you. The second thing that I find thinkingness is doing within our culture is that it is destroying contentment and what it means to be content. Um, Joan Rivers says this quote, and it's very interesting. She says, thank God we're living in a country where the sky's the limit. The stores are open late and you can shop in bed thanks to television. Isn't that an interesting kind of summary of where the thankfulness is going? Thank God we're living in a country where we can stay up late, we can shop from our beds, from our TVs, and now thank God we have the internet where we can just a click away, have all of these purchases where we don't understand. Again, we're making transactions, but we don't completely understand what it is that's going in and going out of our lives. How many people, you know, look at the latest and greatest things that are coming out, like the latest phones? Like, I love technology and I think it has simplified our life in many, many ways. And we need it to function in many, many ways. But there is a culture of need, of desire to have the latest and greatest thing. And really what, is that, what ends up happening is they're selling us the same things, just packaged differently. I want a phone with a camera in it. They've been around for a long time. I, I, a wonderful thing I love about the new iPhone 7 is I can write on it with my hand. That technology has been around since the Etch-A-Sketch, really. Like you could just, <laughs> you can draw on a in, you know, pen, paper, pen, like awesome. Um, one of the things I appreciate about Raja at staff meeting, he brings an actual notebook and writes his notes. I was like, what's that? Like, is, did Apple make that? I don't know. Like, it's, is there a newer version? Because that's okay, but I'm looking for something a little bit more high-tech than that. This, just this contentment with, with what we are able to use and this fighting against this, this pushing and this forcing to move forward. And the third thing that happens because of that is there is an, a twisting of our emotions when it comes to what it means to be thankful. Thankiness focuses on the haves and the have-nots. And the people who have have many reasons to be thanks. How many of you heard the expression, we have many reasons to be thankful? And then what follows is that list of everything that we have in North America that we have to be thankful for. But then the lesson that we give to our children, and I know that I've been there to myself, is that we say to them, oh, it's okay if you don't have it. Be thankful for what you don't have. You know, just be thankful for what you have. And really what we're doing in this language is we're twisting the emotions that are attached to stuff and things. We're saying that because I have things, that means that I have tons, a, a whole world of thankfulness at my fingertips. But if I don't, you should be feeling guilty <laughs> because you should be working hard to be thankful for what you don't have. The pressure, the intensity, the twisting of emotions, that feeling of guilt, who has more struggle? The people that don't have. And we have created this religious attachment to having stuff and this religious guilt to not having stuff which is a shame, and that is not the kind of thankfulness that God came to show us and model for us in our lives. So we have to ask ourselves, 
Are we living for, is the purpose of our life to be thankful or is it to just experience serendipity? Serendipity is a wonderful word and our culture uses it often, but it literally means that it is luck that takes the form of finding valuable and pleasant things that are not looked for. This is serendipity. Luck that takes the form of finding valuable or pleasant things that are not looked for. Within our culture, within our churches, are we thankful for serendipity, just this random luck of finding valuable things that we're happy for? Or are we thankful for the fact that we have a Savior and a relationship with Him that gives us more than we need and will ever need? We don't come to church because we're wanting to experience serendipity. We come to church because we want to change who we are, to be like Him. To be like the ultimate gift giver and experience those gifts and share those gifts with the world. There's a a wonderful passage of scripture that I want to just kind of read with you right now. It's Luke 17, 11 to 19, and it'll help us kind of transition from thankiness to thankfulness. And it says this, that Jesus on his way to Jerusalem was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. And they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at on his face at Jesus feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, a foreigner. And then Jesus answered, word not. Ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Some quick observations. One is that this was a Samaritan. Not only was he an outsider in terms of his culture, but he was an outsider because he had a skin disease. And as was Custom as was like religiously accepted at the time that if you had a skin disease, whether it was leprosy, any spots, no matter what it was, it's all listed in the Old Testament. If you had any kind of skin deformation, you were outside of the community and you had to live outside of that community. You were not welcome in until you were to go to a priest and show to that priest that that skin deformity or disease or whatever it was, was absolute was gone from your skin. You had to show the priest to be made well to enter back into the community again. So this foreigner was an outsider in two ways, the skin disease, but also because of being a Samaritan within that time. You know, Jews and Samaritans didn't work together. They were fighting together. They had different religious structures. There was, they were at odds with one another. And so this person was a foreigner in two ways. Jesus hearing them, calling out for help, 10 of them, healed them. They were healed and calling. Isn't our God awesome? Isn't that a great story right there? If it ended right there, you'd be like, God is so good. Ten people who had skin diseases were healed in that moment. That is an awesome story right there. You could end it. We could go home, eat our turkey, sit down, take our turkey nap, and we'd have a great Sunday. But there's more here. The story goes on and Jesus almost switches, like turns to the camera. It's almost like this turning to the camera with the conversation. 
as he's, as he's like responding here. Because one returns, only one, and he turns to the camera. Where were the other nine? And the audience gets kind of brought into this story. Rather than being an external story, we're brought into the story because he has something particular that he wants to teach and say. We're not ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? This one. This one person, this one man comes back and that is pointed out. That the one who comes back, yes, he was healed, experienced the great blessing of God, but he returned to give thanks to Jesus Christ. And where were the other nine? Thankfulness, there's a lesson here in thankfulness that I think we need to to kind of grasp and understand in terms of building this culture about what was the difference. We all experienced God's blessing, but what was that difference? It's simply coming The answer, what does that look like? The thing that we need to understand is that circumstances lead us to Jesus. But it's thankfulness that leads us to worship Jesus. Our circumstances, they will bring us to Jesus. They will bring us to ask for fulfilling those needs. Circumstances will will sometimes demand that we need a savior. We need somebody to help us. But it is in thankfulness, church. That leads us to worship and fall at his feet. Thankfulness is a form of worship. Not objective, circumstantial words that we speak. You see, thankfulness um, is like learning a language. If I were to move to Quebec and, um, you know, I'm not very good at, French, speaking French, but you could see this for any country, any place where you're going, and they're speaking another language, and and somebody asked you, do you, you know, in English, they came up to you and asked, well, do you speak French? And, and I were to say yes, but then I were to stand there silent as they had a conversation. I just stood there looking at them. After a lengthy conversation, what do you think that person would be thinking? <laughs> You don't really know what I'm talking about. In the same way, if that person came up a little while later, like say months later, came up to me again and said, you know, do you speak French? I said, yeah, I do. I I do speak French. Here's a list of my vocabulary words. And that will show you that I speak French. And then they start talking and I'm quickly like frantically looking at my vocabulary words to try to find the words that fit their determination in that scenario would be, still, you don't speak French. (laughs) The posture of thankfulness is this. When somebody asks you if you speak something, you say, no, I don't. But can you teach me how to do that? Let's converse together. Let's create a conversational space where I can work on this. Thankfulness starts from a posture of learning, not a posture of I know everything there is to know about this. And that's something that we miss within our culture and that we as Christians should be at the forefront of learning thankfulness within our lives. 
Whenever we hear of somebody who has a need, whenever we hear of somebody who the circumstances of their life are not good, we shouldn't be thinking, throw stuff at them. (laughs) We should be thinking, build a culture of conversation and learning with them and grow in their lives. Because it could be that in those situations that God has the lesson for us, not for them. I learn from my kids all the time. They are amazing teachers. And me as an arrogant parent who sometimes thinks I know everything that there is to know about the world. And then you have like your, your four-year-old, your, your, your baby, your 13-year-old, your nine-year-old. They're all teaching me what being alive really means. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> I'm the one that's experienced more and gone and has a master's degree. And yet I approach that life the fact that, that God is teaching you something. And I better be quiet and listen to what that is. And that that is the posture of thankfulness that I have. When I say that I'm thankful for my kids, I'm thankful because they challenge me. They shape, help to shape who I am. And that I am growing and changing as a result of who they are. I try not to constantly say to my children, you need to be thankful for everything I provide for you. (laughs) Which is a parent trap that we can fall into. You need to be thankful for the stuff that I provided based on the work that I've done and the transactions that I've made. You need to be thankful for that. The posture that I should have is one where I humbly say I'm thankful for you. And the lessons and the life journey that you've been on and how you teach me. And let's grow in life together. We'll share our experiences together. The second thing that we need to understand is that we need to be thankful for the story of God, the word of God. When thankiness takes over and it's all about our happiness, the reason that we don't go to the word of God is because it doesn't make us happy. It's an object that sometimes fights with us, challenges what we think. If you're looking at the word of God like it's the happy book, looking for the happy pill, you're going to be disappointed. But in the same way as our posture approaching one another is a posture of thankful for how you can teach me and what I can learn from. When you approach the word of God, you be thankful for the fact that God provided a book, a book about Truth, a book about authenticity, a book about growing in thankfulness and what it means. And, and, and Raja said in the worship, the songs were all pointing back in that direction that we have nothing to be thankful for apart from Jesus Christ. He is where life comes from. And so if we're avoiding the word of God... Maybe it's because we've become addicted to the things in our world that just plain make us feel good and make us happy. Remember, this is about worship, not about us. The final thing is this, and here's that word that I started with in the title, Eucharistio. In 1 Corinthians 11.24, I think I have that uh, verse here, 11.24. And and normally this verse obviously is connected to when we're doing sharing and communion together on a Sunday morning. But it's incredibly important for this 
moment because I think it really does, again, help us understand this thankfulness and this culture of thankfulness and what it means. So Paul is talking about that night, the night before that last supper, that night when Jesus is announcing that his death will come and the disciples are just, they're just not quite getting it. But it says this, and it was so, like I, you know, you get read these verses all the time, but then something's just kind of, you know, blow your mind in one moment. You're like, I've been reading this all these years and haven't really dug deep into this one part. And when he had, Jesus had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're familiar with this in terms of the Lord's Supper, but when he had given thanks, Eucharistio, Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, literally means give thanks. When we unpack this culture of thankfulness, what we're seeing here. It's not that Jesus was just singing Johnny Appleseed, amen. Like, this is not what's coming out of this thankfulness. Like, he's saying grace for a meal that's about to come. Oh, the Lord is good to me, and so I think the Lord forgives me. In that moment that is deeply connected to what happens next, There is a link between this heart of gratitude and thankfulness and the sacrifice that is to follow. Think about this. He knew full well what he was giving thanks for. Full well. When he had given thanks, Eucharisto, the charis in the Eucharisto, charistio is grace. Charis is the Greek root grace. He knew full well what he was sharing. His life. There on the table was Jesus Christ. Sacrificed for the world. And this is often overlooked. Is the fact that what Eucharistio means when we think of Thankfulness is not that we get to eat a meal, but that there is a sacrifice expected in that worship. That the things that we receive in life, the blessings of God, the relationships that we have, all of that must have sacrificial heart related to it. Romans 12.1, very familiar passage. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. We want to build a culture of thankfulness within our lives. We need to be awakened to the reality as we're sitting down and we're gorging ourselves with turkey and stuffing our faces with stuffing. That at the end of that, the next thing is not nap. The next thing is sacrifice. That is the worship that the Lord requires of a person who is thankful for what they have.
That is the heart of thankfulness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each person that is here. I thank you, Father, for what you have modeled for us in giving yourself for us. God, your word says that you had everything, but you didn't hold it like it was something to be grasped. But instead, you humbled yourself, taking the form of a servant. We sang this morning about our redemption is God with us. If everything was about thankingness, we wouldn't be here right now. God, you modeled giving thanks, a thankful heart. But with that, you understood the cost of what it means to be thankful. You understood the cost of being sacrificial for the people that you love. You understood the cost of coming and taking on bodily form and walking among us. You understood the cost of what that meant to be constantly chased and hunted and accused. You understood the cost of all of that stuff. And then you still sat down at a big meal and said, thank you. This is being full of grace and mercy. I sacrifice myself for you. So, Father, I pray that that message and that truth would challenge us and shape us today. That we would walk from this place. Sure, we are blessed with the things that we have. We are blessed with those opportunities. We are blessed with our family. We're blessed with our friends. We're blessed with so many things, so much of which we do not deserve and should not have. God, the singular voice that we do want to go forward is that we are thankful, God, that you are a king. That you are a creator and savior and friend. And yeah, we dine, we celebrate, but when I'm done, I will get up and I will sacrifice for you. Because you sacrificed yourself for me. So thankful for the grace for the love that you share and you've shown to us on the cross. I'm thankful for the victory that we have as Christians and your followers. To know that when we rise, we are supported by the most powerful creator God that we could have. That when we rise from our meal, when we rise from our place, that we know that we have you on our side, that you go before us, that you fight for us, that you have won the battle for us. God, we know that our path is before us. God, we know what you have called us to.